0: Does it repeat or does it rhyme? And why can't we just hit
1: rewind? Oh, well, it's all
2: just history. This is life. Welcome back, listeners, to the Modern History HSC podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to my Year 11 students, Jed, Taylor, and Chase. And what we're going to be going through is a bit of a source analysis 101. One of the things that you should be covering in the first topic when you're doing modern history is some sort of source analysis. The content doesn't really matter what you pick. We're doing Pearl Harbor, but the skill of getting a little nugget, a little piece of information, and then being able to break it down into uh, different parts. So just having a bit of a process is really useful. The one that we use is damn it. So DAM is the acronym for the steps that we follow when we get a new source. The D stands for date. The A stands for author. The M stands for material, so what physically is the source. The next M stands for motive, so what was the motive uh, of the creator of the source. Then we have the I. The I is the intended audience, so who was intended to see this source originally? And we try to be as specific as possible. And then the last one is the tone. So is this source supposed to be funny? Is this source supposed to be um, like propaganda? Is it trying to make you feel scared? All that sort of stuff. Anyway, enough of me talking. Let's get into the conversation. So how are you going, Jed? I'm doing very well. You're doing very well. How are you feeling about being on a podcast for the first time? I'm anxious. Anxious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's try to, before we get into the source analysis, just reflect on what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. So can you give me a top three of most interesting things that you've either learned about Pearl Harbor or that we've done trying to delve back into this event? What, a few things that have interesting in this topic? Yeah, go for it. Well, one was the torpedoes,
3: and something I found out was that the Japanese was affected the torpedo first. It was a thing, well, it was called the Type 91. And during the attack, it was the second morti- morti- the, the modification that they used, which I didn't know. Another thing would be the USS Arizona stories. And when I was learning about Pearl Harbor, I've heard multiple stories. But when I was told um of one from the view of a destroyer sailor, it was about people being f- launched off and up from the Arizona, which I did not know. And there was the flight simulator. Now, when we're using flight simulators, they can teach you many things. And from what I've received from the flight simulator I've used this year, it would be, it can show you the terrain, how slow it was, how difficult it was to like, you know, dive and pull up and lots of
2: many other things. There's yeah. a three things I found interesting. And none of us managed to... And this is Microsoft um, flight simulator that we're using. None of us managed to land on the aircraft carrier properly, did we? Nope. I think Chase was the only one, and he did a big flipping somersault. But one of the things about the aircraft carriers is on the simulator it doesn't have that little catching wire thing, does it? Yeah. Yeah, so you've almost got to, like, have the plane... Dead flat hitting the deck and have no speed on it, which is very, very difficult. Anyway, let's get into our source analysis. So, what did you bring me, Jed? I brought Italian propaganda for a Japanese victory. Okay. What does it look like? Because this is an audio medium and you've brought a picture. Can you describe it, paint a bit of a word picture? Um, To describe it, it's a Japanese samurai with
3: the flags of Nazi Germany. Fascist Italy and Imperial Japan and it's The samurai is striking at two um, battleships
2: of the allies That's the most I can describe. Yep, righto is well, let's get into the steps now. So the day What's the date? and um, the date it was some
3: sometime after the 10th of December Um, The reasoning for it was due to an attack that the Japanese did on two allied ships off the coast of what we now call Malaysia. The attack took place three days after the Pearl Harbor attack, which me and it kind of relates to what we're talking about here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, talking about the invasion, the initial strike, the launching of of the war in the Pacific. So, yeah, it is definitely a source that is related and tells us a little bit more about the Japanese relationships, right? Yeah. Right, so let's move into the next bit. Who's the author? The author
3: of this propaganda artwork was Gino Picasso. I've spent like five minutes trying to pronounce his name. Some fun fact, well, some quick facts about him were uh, as following. He was born on July 14th, 1901, in an Italian port city on the Adriatic Sea called Bari, which means cheat in English. And I just thought that perhaps it was a foreshadow for the country's switch of alliance in the upcoming years to probably avoid losing a war, because come on, Italy is known for switching alliances.
2: Yeah, it could be. Um, if we're moving down from the author, so we know that he's, I think the main part is that he's, he's Italian, so he's an Italian national they're fascists at the moment at the time that they're making it um and we know that the material is a poster so what's the motive like why is this picture of a samurai striking these ships in the water they'd be towering samurai with the with the three flags going on in the background like it could just have been the japanese flag like why do you think the other flags are up there
3: um, I think the other flags were that up there to show the, the strong feeling of union, power, and alliance between Nazi Germany, fascist Italy, and Imperial Japan, or as that time was known as the Tripartite pack. Yeah. Um, and the motive of this, um, artwork would probably be to show. Well, it was to show the victory of a um battle, which the Japanese won, they sunk the H.M.S. Prince of Wales in the HMS Pulse. but, um, for now modern more, for more modern audiences, it was heavily confused for a celebration of Pearl Harbor back on the 17th of December. So yeah,
2: yeah. It's interesting that it, if they're not going into those little bits of detail, like we originally found the picture that we're describing just on like a Reddit post. So. You know, people grab it because they think it's cool. It's like, oh, this is about Pearl Harbor because it's Japan and there's ships and all that sort of stuff. But through your analysis, you've uncovered that it's a completely different, like, event as well, which is important. It shows why you got to be careful, hey? Yeah. So who was this source made for? You said the motive is to show the strength of the partnership. So who was meant to see that the partnership was strong? I think the intended audience was probably the Italian people who supported
3: Imperial Japan or in probably the most likely case um, all for the tripartite pack. Mm-hmm. Probably the, the more fascist supporting
2: Italians, not just the... how to say it. People who are still on the fence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's trying to convince them that it's like, oh, this is the strong, this is the winning team. It's like when a team's on a roll in the NRL or something like that. You get more merch going around and you have, like, that winning sort of factor happening. Um, Let's go to the last one. So the tone. What do you think the tone of the source is? I think the tone was aggressive but strong, or vice versa, to show the
3: Japanese samurai striking at allied ships to show who's the strongest power in the world, the Axis.
2: Yeah. Um, Do you think that tells us a little bit about italian culture the the way that they've framed it like you said it's aggressive but it's like it's like powerful is there something else from italian sort of culture that you can maybe link that to um probably since the italians were all about being strong and yeah like maybe from the days of like the roman empire and all that sort of stuff yeah, probably. yep rightio well thank you jed we're going to pass over to Taylor now, but thank you very much for your analysis, mate. No plan, all. So now we're moving on to what Taylor has brought us. How are you going, Taylor? Good. Thanks. Good. How are you feeling about being on the podcast for the first time? Nervous. Nervous. What can, can you describe it a little bit to maybe if you've got on the other end, somebody's listening on their headphones, like another year 11 student, what do you? What do you? Like what? What are you afraid of in this podcast? If you guys are both learning,
1: I'm not sure. I just, I guess you're just scared to speak out and say what's on you, what you've got.
2: Yeah. How have you? What have you put in place, or what have we put in place to give ourselves a little bit more confidence when we're going to be talking today? You're not just talking off the top of your head, aren't you? No. no. So what have you got?
1: The dammit analysis I've done before in class and at home.
2: Yep. And you spent some time saying it out loud as well before. Yeah. Yeah. So, listener, if you're thinking like, oh, I'd be in that same situation as well, best way to overcome nerves is to work on those aids. That might be like a cheat sheet that you have. That might be like some notes or something and just talking to someone, which is what we're doing to you right now. Before we get into the source, Taylor, can you give me a couple of your top things that we've done so far in the topic?
1: Um, the book about the survivors and what they saw and how they felt was quite interesting. You got a real-life perspective of what they um, what ha- actually happened there. Um, the three videos that we watched, Tora, 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 Midway and Pearl Harbor, um, they were movies, but you still got to see different ways that they, um, per- persevered the, um, how it happened and what the, what they looked like doing
2: it. Yeah. And they were just the trailers. We didn't watch all the movies, guys. <laughs> we did not have the time for that. But yeah, so we've watched the trailers. What else?
1: Um, the game simulator was quite interesting to me. Um, you got to see how you fly the plane, what's in it, a little bit of it. Um, the terrain of it, um, how to, some of the skills that they did, it was actually very hard to navigate sometimes and an accurate aim on the, what their target was.
2: Yeah. You bring up a really good point that I guess if people just think about a modern plane, you'd be thinking that these pilots, you know, just following their instruments and there's going to be some sort of waypoint or whatever pointing them towards Pearl, but like, these planes are launching off a boat in the middle of the Pacific. This has never been done before. They have, like, radio silence. They've got a piece of paper, like a like a sketchy little map, and a compass. And that's all they have. So, like, we at least had a bit of an idea where it was when we were flying there. But it would take a fair bit of bravery, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Let's move into the source. So what have you brought us, Taylor?
1: I've brought Franklin D. Roosevelt's speech on Pearl Harbor.
2: Now, is it the whole speech?
1: No, Just a little, oh, uh, the whole speech, yeah.
2: Yeah. And we're going to be focusing on maybe the the first section. I think the first section is the most well-known. So let's jump in. What's the date that this speech was made?
1: Uh, the speech was delivered on December 8th, 1941 but it was made on De- 7th, De- December 7th, after the attack.
2: Yep. Yeah. so immediately after, then presented to the Congress, yeah? Yep, presented to the Congress the next day. Uh, who's the author, or is it a little bit complicated?
1: Um, uh, well, Ro- Franklin D. Roosevelt's um, dictated the speech, but his secretary, Grace Toohey, she made the speech, but... Um, after the speech was made, it was the first copy, copy and he, um, wrote on it. Um, um, diff with different, like he crossed out words and put, um, different ones to make it sound, um, I don't know how, it straightforward and what happened.
2: Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that with the motive, but yeah, if we're describing a picture, it's not just like a word document with this. You know, clear speech. The speech itself. If you Google Franklin D. Roosevelt's speech on Google, you'll be able to see it. It's got he, throughout all the lines. There's like maybe every tenth word or every twentieth word, just like a scratch out where he's changed one word and he's put it to something else because he's trying to. Just like imagine this guy. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. They've just been attacked he's the leader of a whole country he's got one chance to i guess galvanize the country and he's got to get his words right imagine that it's a, you think you're daunted now <laughs> but it's got to be the most daunting speech of like if i get the wording on this wrong like people aren't going to want to fight they're going to feel afraid from this attack they're not going to feel angry so they change some of the words what are some of the words that he does change before we keep going, if we're describing it.
1: There was infamy, he, he, um, there was a infamy to, no, world history to infamy was his famous one.
2: Yeah. So if we, if we just stop on that one and we use that as our example. So you said world history was the original draft. So a date that will live in world history. He changed that, he scratched that out to a day that will live in infamy. Now we can probably move into the motive because material, we know it's a speech. It's a speech with changes put on it. So the motive, what do you think the motive is and the changes that were made to the speech as well?
1: Um, There were actually two motives behind his speech. One was to urge the Congress to declare war on the Japanese Empire and the second one was to actually rally the people of America to support his decision in entering the war
2: because we've learned up to this point that the Americans are they're isolationist they haven't even gotten involved up to this point with the war that's happening in Europe like the Nazis are Bombing the British and the Italians are running amok in North Africa and Churchill's knocking on FDR's door. Like, when are you going to get involved? When are you going to get involved? But the people, they don't have an appetite for any sort of conflict. So this speech, like you said, one of his key second goals is we've got to wake the people up. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting ducks when the Japanese keep expanding and keep expanding intended audience you said it was for the congress and for the american people is there a particular subsection of the american population or a particular group of the american population that he was trying to like talk to the most do you think
1: the house of representatives the governmental the his um the government and stuff
2: yeah and from the general populace. So again, he's trying to get people to go with him and support him into the war. So forget the government for for the moment. Is there a particular group or a gender or race or age group that he's trying to, you know, grab by the collar and say, "Come on, let's go"?
1: Um, the men of Amer- the men of the his America, the young ones.
2: Yeah. So he's trying to get people to enlist. He needs to form an army, and he needs to get reservists. He needs to get them angry. He needs to get them angry. That's why we're saying it's not history. It's infamy. This is infamous. Like, this is a stab in the back. This is treacherous, and all those sorts of words. And the... tone. What have we got for the tone of the source? What's his intention?
1: Um, His intention was to... Um, it was, at the start, was depressed and straightforward, but as he moved along into the speech, it got more, um, not aggressive, but, um, I don't know how to say it, um, yeah, not straight straightforward, but, um...
2: Like, confident?
1: Yeah, confident, and...
2: There is one interesting bit that I heard somebody told me once about the speech so even in the ending of it where you might have read up to it but where it says that you know america in its righteous might is going to push on to absolute victory like that last line kind of sums up the next couple of years that he says clear as day and like you said confidently it's not we're going to fight on for revenge or we're going to fight on for to a stalemate or till they surrender like absolute victory is like we're going to crush them like we're going to we're going to japan and we are going to destroy this country for what they have done and that is part of the wording and kind of tells you why that the atomic bomb was probably seen as justified because that's the game plan from the beginning like these are the bad guys and we're going after the bad guys pretty interesting (laughs) rightio well thank you very much taylor and now we'll hand over to chase Mm -hmm. thank you thank you chase number three how you going mate uh, yeah, I'm going all right, and you? Yes, I'm going really good. I'm really happy with the way this episode's going so far. So, let's start with your top three things for the topic so far. So, things that have interest you the most.
0: Well, like what the others said, um, I thought, um, the airplane simulator was, um, was pretty interesting and fun to, um, do. Ew. Ew. and like, um... Like how, and yeah, like how they said, um, it was pretty accurate for the most part too. Um, to like how, I guess, guess, um, like, like the, um, Japanese airplanes functioned during the Pearl Harbor attack. Yeah. And your second thing? Also like the others, um, the time we watched and compared uh, movie clips from different um movie adaptations to um the Pearl um to like the Pearl Harbor Attack. And um and yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting to see like, be, like um the different like um to see how like differently the movies like functioned and how they um
2: portrayed the Pearl Harbor attack. Yeah, they they all had, like, slightly different motivations. Do you remember from the three, because we looked at Midway, the Michael Bay Pearl Harbor and Tora Tora Tora, which one of them you ended up walking away from feeling like, oh, this one's, like, the most dramatic one? Like, which one was the most dramatic, over-the-top, action-packed one for you? Which one was, like, the most dramatic or...? Yeah, dramatic, action-packed, that made you... Like there was one that made you like feel a sense of dread for the characters. Um, uh, well, well, when it comes to
0: dramaticness, I would say that like hey, that like um the the Toro Torah one was um was pretty good. It was actually really good actually, and um and, you know it it's it seems pretty accurate to. How like people re- would react to like um to like a tech uh, that size, uh, and um and you know no um the characters was, the characters weren't like super interesting but I did but you know um I was interested to see you know, like um where they would end up uh, and stuff like that.
2: Yep. Yeah. Right. Well, let's move into our source analysis. So, what have you brought for us today?
0: Um an article uh, by um Army times uh about a um a pilot who fought off um uh, some Japanese airplanes in his uh, pajamas
2: <laughs> yeah, <it's>, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty interesting isn't it yeah. so he, the pajam the pajamas or pajamas is coming from again that sneak attack that's happening early in the morning. It's a pretty funny story but also terrible story at the same time yeah. so. What's the date of this article?
0: This article was published on uh, December the eighth of two thousand and eight uh, um and the uh, and the authors of the article took all was was um Robert F. Dorr
2: and Fred l. Borch right but so when you're saying the date in the listener might have heard two thousand and eight, which is okay, so we're dealing with a With a secondary source, the authors are removed by several decades from the event. But the crux of the story itself about the person who fought back against the Japanese, they're they're word for word telling his story, aren't they? Yeah. So that's where the usefulness is coming from. It's not them making up a story. It's them retelling somebody's primary source story so material we know it's a biography what do you think the motive was why why did somebody feel the need do you think to make this or write this down or retell this in 2008 um to pretty much like
0: um to pretty much like spread awareness to like um to like this um to like this person who um who did um who did from what i read um took down like A lot of his, like, team um, took down, like, 10 uh, Japanese airplanes. So, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, the motive was to, yeah, spread
2: awareness to this war hero. Yeah, it just... Like, we have lots of different stories, and there's a big overarching story of Pearl Harbor and the smaller stories of, say, like, the Admiral almost getting shot. And we've got the one of the of the black sailor who doesn't know how to use the machine gun, but he gets on it anyway. And this is just another one of those little stories about a bloke in his pyjamas and his crew getting in and putting up some sort of resistance to the Japanese. And you said took down 10 planes? Yeah, I took down 10 planes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who Who needs the awareness? You said the intended, like, the motive was to inform people. Who are they trying to inform? Um,
0: I would say, like, Americans uh, or, like, um, people who are
2: interested in war aircrafts. Uh. Yeah. So, yeah. So there might be a need to, like, okay, America, let's remind you what happened and these little stories is another angle that you hadn't heard of before. Yeah. Yeah. And our last one is, sorry, listen, if you hear the trains in the background, we we live right next to a train the train railway yeah um tone what do you think the tone of the source is do you walk away from the story thinking oh that's a funny little story or wow that's an amazing story or i would say
0: that like um i'd say that i walked away with with like a with of course a bit of humor to it but also like a bit of like proudness to like the person who like who like um fought off those like fought off those like uh japanese um planes because he really didn't have to like um like he um yeah like um like um like yeah the like the plane's main target seemed to be like um like the like ships and they did end up shooting him down you know at first at least yeah yeah
2: so you walked away feeling like like you said Proud, that's informed by, like like, maybe admiration for the bravery and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that definitely goes in line with what you were saying about the motive in the intended audience. It's, here's a reminder, Americans, about, you know, what we're capable of doing. Here's something that we can be proud of. And that kind of embodies why we have this source. Yeah. At all. Well, thank you, Chase. And thank you, listener, for joining in on our latest episode of the Modern History HSC podcast. And we'll see you next time, probably in about a week or a couple of weeks or so. Cheers.